Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We've just come out of a series, the beginning of this year. It's actually the theme for the entire year, and it's Beyond Belief. How many of you are excited to go Beyond Belief? I'm telling you, I, you know, uncharted territory was a journey for us. It still is a journey for us, and and I've been excited to be in uncharted territory. I'm still excited to be exploring uncharted territory. But coming out of that series, out of that season last year, God is taking us to a new season of beyond belief where we're challenging. Uh, we're going beyond our belief system. Not only that, we're going beyond belief in our relationship with God. We're going beyond belief in our expectation of what God's going to do in our hearts and lives. Amen? And so we're going to move on this morning. We're going to change the series up just a little bit, and I'm going to share some vision casting at the end of this message. This, this message won't take uh, a long time. I'll tell you, like Elizabeth Taylor told her fourth husband, I won't keep you long. But uh, no way. All right, all right. Well, but um, so, so bear with us, but we're going to change the series. And this morning we're going to move into a series called Unbelievable. And we're going to look at some unbelievable things that God did. How many of you know that God can do some pretty unbelievable things? I'm so thankful that God can do unbelievable things. One of the unbelievable things that I've seen God do was he took this little punk kid named Jared way back in the day, and he pulled him out of his junk, and he he began to use him to build his kingdom. That may not be that unbelievable to you, but to me, that's pretty unbelievable because I know who I used to be, and I'm not that person anymore, and I'm thankful for that. So stand with me this morning. We're going to go to a very, very familiar passage of Scripture that uh, I know you've heard me preach probably, but it's in 2 Kings chapter number 4, and I want you to listen carefully as we go through this. I'm going to tell you, read through this story. In chapter 4, starting with verse number 1, it says, Now one of the wives of a man of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that your servant reverently feared the Lord. But the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves in payment for a loan. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in the house? Father, I pray right now over this this time, over this moment. God, I know that your word is anointed, God, as it flows. God, through my lips, I pray that it just pierces the heart of man, God. I know that you have a specific word for a very specific group of people this morning, and I pray that we not just hear it, but we become doers of that word, that we take it and we allow it allow it to manifest itself and begin to grow and produce an incredible harvest in our heart, Jesus. 
God, I thank you for this word, and I pray that it continues to be unveiled and become more relevant than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted a big amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. You may be seated this morning. Now, let me set up this story for you just a little bit and uh, explain to you that I know a lot of you probably know this story, but there's a famine in the land, okay? So there are people starving, there are people that are dying, there are people that have no clue where their next meal's coming from. So there's this great famine in the land, and there's this incredible need. Now, most of you should know this, but anytime there's a great need, that is a great opportunity for a miracle, right? Come on, when there's a great need, there's a great opportunity for a miracle. A lot of times we get stuck in our need and we just get down and depressed and discouraged. But if you're a believer, if you're a child, if you understand who God is, when you see great need, you should also see great opportunity. Because there's a great opportunity for God to do something. And let me tell you something about my God. He loves to show off. Come on, he loves to reveal himself to you to be the God that he's promised you that he would be. Okay, he doesn't just sit back and watch us go through life. He is waiting for moments and opportunities so that he can reveal how great he is to you. Man, that should excite somebody this morning. So this lady, she shows up on the scene. She has lost a lot. She's lost her husband. There's no money. She has nothing. She's almost given up on life. And she meets this guy. She meets this prophet, Elisha. And this is where Elisha steps on the scene. She cries out to him. She's like, you know my husband. He was, he was one of the, he was a servant of the, he, you know him, right? So I'm giving you background of who I am. You know I'm a good person. So, <clears throat> see, just when I think I've gotten over that cough, it comes right back. She says, Elisha, I'm asking you, I have great need. So Elisha comes into the scene, and he asks her this simple question. He says this, he says, what do you have in your house? That is a really, really powerful question. What do you have in your house? Now, church, before we answer that question, we have to think really carefully about how we're going to answer that question. Because how we answer that question reveals a lot of things about us. It can reveal our faith. It can reveal our lack of faith. It can reveal our resources. It can reveal our pain, our hurt. It can reveal our doubt. Our un- it can reveal the fact that we're ready to quit and give up. Just in how we answer this question, what is in your house? So the prophet asked <coughs> this lady, he says, what is in your house? I believe with all my heart, and you're going to see that. As we go through this message at the end of this message, that's what God is asking this church this morning. He's asking, what is in your house? What is in your house that you value? What do you have inside your house? I'm asking you as an individual, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother. I'm asking you, what do you have in your house? God wants to know what is in your house because how we answer this question really is going to set the tone for where we're going in the next season of our lives. 
Now, we see her initial response is this. She says, your maidservant has nothing in the house. When I was a kid, I grew up in Brownfield, Texas. Anybody know where Brownfield is? Not Brownsville, Brownfield. Anybody know where Lubbock is? Okay, Lubbock, Texas. So you go to Lubbock, Texas, and you take a left, and it would basically, Brownfield's about the distance from uh, Lubbock that Humble is from downtown, okay? So I was about 30 minutes away from Lubbock, Texas. So I grew up in this town, Brownfield, population like 15,000 people, I think, was in the town that I grew up in <coughs> from kindergarten, from before kindergarten till the eighth grade. So this is where I lived. And I lived in the pastor's house. My dad was a pastor. We lived in the parsonage. Anybody ever have go to a church with a parsonage? That's how I grew up, okay? I thought everybody, I thought every church had a parsonage for the pastor. And that's how I, I grew up. And so I've got this house, and you walk outside of my house, and you take about 10, 15 steps, and you're now in the church, okay? You walk into the church, and and then we have this gravel parking lot in front of the church, and then there is a little two-lane road that goes back into this neighborhood. Right across that little two-lane road was a, a convenience store called the Handy Shop. Now, growing up, I always dreamed of the day that I would be old enough that I was able to ride my back bike to the Handy Shop by myself. And so I waited and waited and waited. One day, I got that opportunity to ride my bike to the Handy Shop. So what I did was I gathered up some change, rode my bike to the handy shop, and I bought a Dr. Pepper. The beginning of the end. It begun an, a great addiction in my life. And I picked up my Dr. Pepper, and I rode back. I become addicted to Dr. Peppers, but I also became addicted to this freedom, this independence. It was powerful. It was liberating to be able to take my bike all the way across the church parking lot, which is about the size of this room. All the way across this parking lot, I could see my house 45 feet away. And I would cross this two-lane street that's about as wide as three rows. And I would walk into this handy shop, and I would buy a Dr. Pepper. One day, I was able to buy a Dr. Pepper and a bag of Funyuns. And then one day, I discovered Score. Anybody know what a Score is? Score candy bar? Oh, Jesus. And on great days when God showed me much favor, I was able to get a Dr. Pepper, a bag of Funyuns, and a Score all in the same trip, put them all in a bag, hook the bag on my handlebars, and head back home 100 feet. It was powerful. It was powerful, and I would do that, and I love to do that, but I realized that there's this problem. I oftentimes didn't have any money. That was an issue because I thought the handy shop was a lot of fun, but the Dr. Peppers cost money, and, and the Funyuns, and the score. I learned real soon what penny candy was. Yeah, some of you are too young, you don't even know. I grew up when on the bottom shelf of the candy aisle, they had penny candy. 
Okay, they had like little Laffy Taffies and little Now and Laters and, and little Fireballs and stuff. And those were called penny candy. I lived on penny candy because my resources were not great. So I realized that I had a problem because I loved getting my Dr. Pepper and Funyuns and a score candy bar. Occasionally I'd spur, splurge and get an ice cream sandwich. But I had to eat it there because it melt on the way home. So I was just standing in the handy shop talking to the guy, eating my ice cream sandwich. So I had to do something. I realized that there was always money in my house. Did you know that? As a little kid, my parents didn't have a lot of money. But I found out real early that there was always money in my house. And so I would start the search. And it started with the couch. Okay, the couch, it's like an unmined, just mountain. I'd pull the couch cushions off and you start to feel around. You find that half-eaten sucker. And you're like, oh, there it is. And you feel around. And you find French fries. And you're like, wow, I bet if I warmed this up, it wouldn't be so hard. And you feel around and you start finding change. And you start pulling it out. Next thing you know, you got like, 70 cents and change and dimes and nickels and pennies because people sit on the couch all the time and they just let money. And then once I had, had mined all the resources out of the couch for that season, and it was about a weekly mining because the it, gold was always there. And so then I would move to my dad's recliner, okay? My dad was a pastor, so he wore khakis and stuff a lot. And when you lay back on a recliner with a bunch of change in your pants, y'all know what's, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I would sit over there watching TV, and I'd watch him lean back, and I'd go, <laughs> okay, go lean on back, Dad. Take a nap. Take a nap, Dad. But when he was gone, I could go, and I could feel down in the sides of that recliner. I could never get the money, but I learned that all you had to do is separate the, the cushions, stick your hand in there, and you could hear it falling on the ground. So you just do that, tuck a little bit. You go to the back of the recliner, tip it up, and ha. Just money, just change everywhere, and another sucker. And, and, I, and, and I would move from the recliner, and I would walk around, and this was amazing to me, but I would walk through the laundry room, and on the dryer would just be money. And I thought that that was a sure sign from God that he was providing for my needs because it was just sitting on the dryer. When I get desperate, I go to mom's purse, okay? I wasn't trying to steal out of her wallet, but I knew that change always somehow finds its way to the bottom of the purse. So I pull out everything in her purse to get to the bottom. My point is, is there is always money in my house. There was always something in the house that would provide for my need to go to the handy shop. So if we continue this verse, she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house except She's saved by this word, except. She says, I have nothing in the house except a jar of oil. You see, a lot of times what happens is we understand our need, and we understand this dream that we have of fulfilling this need. And so when we're asked what is in the house, we look around, and we look at our resources based on what the big dream is. And so we see our resources as nothing because they can't possibly help us get to the big dream. And so we have this big, giant dream, and we look at these 
little puny, meaningless, nothing resources, and we go, I have nothing except just this little bitty jar of oil. That's all I've got. That's what happens sometimes in this house, in your house, is we have this great big dream, this God dream. And if it's a God dream, let me tell you, it's always going to be way bigger than you are. Come on, you hear me this morning? If it's a God dream, it's going to be bigger than you are because if you can accomplish it by yourself, then it's not a God dream. A God dream is a dream that God has given you that you can only accomplish by the hand of God walking you through it. Those are called God dreams. And a God dream is always way bigger than you, way bigger than your resources. But the Bible says this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the day of small beginnings because a great avalanche starts with just a small shift in the snow. A giant oak tree begins with just a little bitty acorn. The body of Christ began with just a babe in a manger. And let me tell you something. When God gets ready to do something great in your life and big in your life, he always starts with something small that is inside of your house. Come on, some of you got a miracle in your house. The exchange has a miracle inside the house. Everything that we need as a church to reach this community, to reach the people outside of these four walls, we have right inside this house. Do you believe that? Come on, we have the the great think tank. We have the people, the creativity, the volunteers, everything. Everything that we could ask for is right here in this house. When you plant a church and you start getting ready to plant a church, you, you know, you talk to people and everybody does it different. We, we chose the harder route. But when you plant a church, you come up with all these things and ideas and these, these moments that you really feel like. And, and there's a lot of churches, not just church plants, but there's a lot of churches today that they have this mindset, if we could just hire this this certain worship pastor, this great worship pastor, if we could get this big name guy and hire him and be a part of our church, then people would come. People would flood it and our church would grow. Or, or if we could hire this well-known, this great youth pastor, if we had this great youth pastor, then, then all these people would come. If we could hire this big name, let me tell you something. The miracle is in the house. We did. We went out, and we hired this incredibly anointed, great worship pastor, and his name is Jonathan Knight. Come on, it's a good place for an amen. And you would not believe where we found this cat right here in the house. We got one of the best worship pastors around in Dylan and Kelsey. And Kelsey's about to pop, so y'all be praying for her. She is as pregnant as you can get. And the only other side of this is labor. And she's there. And and we have the best youth pastors around, and you're not going to believe where we found them. About four rows back in the center section. Right here in this house. And did you know there are are more miracles inside this house? Because the dream that God's given us is so much bigger than us. But we don't have to be wandering around like chickens with our head cut off trying to figure out where in the world these resources are going to come from. Because the miracle is inside the house. When God gets ready to do something great, he always starts with what's inside of your house. 
God's not done with us because there's a miracle still in the house. There's a miracle that you need still. There's a dream that you have personally and in your family and in in your own finances, in your own marriage, and the miracle is right there in your house. So the prophet, he lays out the recipe for the solution to her situation. He says, then he said, go and borrow containers from all your neighbors, empty containers, and not just a few. Go borrow empty containers. One version says empty vessels. Go borrow empty vessels. Grab as many empty vessels. And he says, and not just a few. Listen, churches are full of of religious people who already know everything. And they got this country club mentality. They just come in, sit around, and wait for the benefits, right? The church needs to be full of empty vessels that are hungry, that are craving for God to do something new, that God's going to take us beyond belief, not the fat religious people, no, no pun intended, that say, you know what, we've already been there, done that. You know, God's not going to take me beyond belief because I already know everything there is to know about God. I've read my Bible two times a year, Pastor Jared. Two times a year for 17 years. I was a deacon for 35 years in my last church, Pastor Jared. Well, congratulations. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God wants to do something incredible, and it starts in this house, and it starts with something brand new, and we need to have a church full of empty vessels. Hungry vessels. And you know what? When we start running out of empty vessels, that's a good time for us to go out and find empty vessels. People that are lost and blind to the fact that God has called them to something greater, something bigger than themselves. That God is ready to take them beyond belief. That's what God's asking us to do this morning. So the prophet says, go and borrow empty vessels, empty containers, not just a few. Listen, when he says that, I want you to get this. When he says, not just a few, what he's doing is he's leaving the size of her miracle up to her. I want you to think about that for a second. He's leaving. See, a miracle was going to come. It was heading this way because she was being obedient. She was doing what she was told. He said, go and gather all the empty containers, borrow the empty containers. At the very end, he he throws in this little tagline. He says, not just a few. What he's doing is he's hinting to her. You know, he probably winked at her when he said that. Not just a few. You know what I'm saying? Because he was leaving the size of her miracle up to her expectation. I don't know if you're feeling me this morning. The size of your miracle this morning is based upon your expectation. Come on, what you need for God to do in your life, if you need a miracle in your finances, if you need a miracle in your marriage, if you're believing God to do something extraordinary and go beyond belief, then you have to set high expectations. When God says he's about to do something great, then you set your expectations, and God is going to meet your miracle with your expectations. I told you guys, I know I've told you guys this story um, in, in the past, but back years and years and years ago, uh, they were having this, the Brownsville Revival. Anybody remember that movement? 
It was a, a revival in Pensacola. People were driving from all over the, the country. They were flying in from all over the world. And it was just this incredible revival that went on years. What was it, like 10, 12 years? And just thousands, bukus of people were getting saved. And, and we, I lived in West Texas at the time, and we, had, we bought a U-Haul truck, a, a white U-Haul truck, and we found a guy, a company in Tallahassee that was going to cut the side out of this truck, turn it into a, you know, put speakers, and we were going to put bounce houses in it, and we were going to use it as a, an outreach vehicle. And this was back in 1998 that this all happened. That seems like so long ago. <sighs> Man. Anyway, so... We take this truck to Tallahassee, and I'm with my dad. And I remember going to this. We decide that we're going to stay in Pensacola, and we're going to go to the revival. Well, the worship pastor there, his name was Lyndall Cooley. You know, the, the, we used to sing songs like, I went to the enemy's camp. And I, come on, that came out of there, you know. And, and look what the Lord has done. Ah. Look what he healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Ah, and then we go back to the enemy's camp again. We didn't get everything back to the enemy's camp, right? And we just keep on. Okay, that's that error, okay? All right, that's, that's where I'm talking about. And Lyndall Cooley, he was just, this dude was bad. He would like sing. He stood at his keyboard. He direct the choir. And then they just stop. He would sing and do his thing. And then he would walk away and start preaching and singing. And some other little kid would jump up there on the keyboard that was just as good as he was. And I was like, wow. But the line to get into this service started about 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Service started at 7 o'clock that night. This is like a Thursday night. They did it every night of the week. So we took our stuff, snacks and stuff. We went and got in line early that morning. We were probably about 100 people back maybe, 9 o'clock in the morning. You just sat there all day. That's all you do. You sat there all day long waiting for the service to start at 7 o'clock. Okay? We don't have that problem here on Sunday mornings. But I'm saying... So we sat there and we waited on this service to start as they, they finally opened the doors at like 6 o'clock. And when they opened the doors, you got to remember, his whole choir, people were coming from straight from work to the church every night for years, years, five nights a week. And then Saturdays and Sundays. So while we're walking in, his choir, they're just coming in. They're zipping up their robes, getting ready, and he's doing exercises with them. We start getting closer and closer and closer to the door. Man, I got goosebumps standing all up over my whole body. There's a guy, big old, big bouncer guy standing there saying, no coolers, backpacks, or large bags allowed in the sanctuary. No coolers. Back, and he would say that over and over. Every, every about 10, 15 people, he would say it again. We got closer, we got closer, and we got closer to the door. Finally, we get in. And I'm like, let's go. We're rushing to the front and get as front center as far as we can. And, man, I got every hair on my body standing up. Lyndall Cooley's up there just warming the choir up, and I'm crying. Yes, God. Yes. Yes, God. Woo! I feel it. 
I feel it. I feel it. This is powerful. They get ready to start the service, and I'm like, yeah, no, man. They're singing, worshiping. They finish worship. It's offering time. I'm like, oh, man, anything you want, anything you want. If I had kids, I'd give them to you. It was so powerful. I'm telling you, this, this service was so incredibly powerful. And I remember, I remember saying, man, I've never experienced anything like this ever in my life. And my dad said this to me. Never forget. He said, this is the exact same God that we serve. This is the exact same God everywhere. The difference tonight is your expectation. Oh, what if we came to church on Sundays with an expectation that we serve this real God, this real big God who's put a real big dream inside of us, a dream that's bigger than us. Can you imagine? Maybe we would come into church a little bit different. Maybe we would sing a little bit different if we really expected God to do something great. He tells her, the miracle is in the house. Go and shut the door behind you. Behind your sons. I wonder why he said that. He tells her, go in and shut the door. Maybe it was to protect that dream. Maybe it's because we got to be real careful who we let in on our dreams. Okay? He says, go shut the door behind you. He was probably telling her in a very subtle way, shut out all the doubters, all the naysayers, all the dream stealers, all the manipulators. Shut out the negativity around you because God's about to do something, and I only want the people that are on the same page with you in this dream to be in the room with you. And he says, so shut out the door. Well, Pastor Jared, I, I do have this dream, but I'm not even sure it's, it's a God dream. I'm not even sure that it's a, let me tell you something. One of the ways that you can know if it's a God dream this morning is if the dream is bigger than you. you got to think about that. God, what is it that you've called me to? What is it that you want from me, want me to do? Want, where do you want me to go, God, that's so much bigger than me? That's my God dream. If it's an impossible dream, if there's no possible way you could pull it off without God, then it's a God dream. Is your dream bigger than you? Can you pull it off without God? We need to start dreaming some God-sized dreams. It's okay for the world to dream God-sized dreams, and they ain't even believing that God's going to provide. They just dream these big dreams. See, Las Vegas, they built a, a casino recently called the Cosmopolitan Casino Resort for $4.18 billion. They could do that. It's Las Vegas. It's Las Vegas. You could do that in Las Vegas. You could get away with it. The most expensive office building in the world is the $4 billion World Trade Center Oculus in New York. But that's New York. And with everything that happened, you know, they, we deserve, you know, it's, it's business. It's business. It's business. The Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, built AT&T Stadium for $1.3 billion dollars. Billion dollars. It seats 111,000 people. But that's sports. That's football. That's America's sport. Football right there. And that, that, you know, that. But when a pastor gets a God-sized dream, we start thinking about having, having him committed. Right? 
When the pastor starts saying some things that are crazy and ridiculous and big, we start going, yeah, <laughs> okay, good luck. And a lot of people just get out. So I'm going somewhere. The Bible says that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, hope, or think as long as we can see the resources. Or maybe it says, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, hope, or think as long as we have a big enough church to support it. My God is able to do it. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above Hooper K, an, an exaggerated hyperbole, an exaggerated blessing on top of the blessing if, as long as it doesn't make me too uncomfortable while we're pursuing it. No, my Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, okay, every, anything that we could ask, hope, or think. Period. He can do that. We serve this really crazy big God. This unbelievably big God. So let me ask you again. Do you believe the miracles in the house? Come on, personally, in your own personal life and, and family, do you believe that there's a miracle in the house? God wants to do something incredible. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, there's a miracle in the house. Come on, look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't talk to the first time. Say, there's a miracle in the house. Years ago, I was running a Bible school, and uh, I, I would drive past this piece of property every day. And when, I, when we were doing this Bible school, we housed our, our, we had a lot of places where we housed our students. We housed a few of our girls in the church. We made some rooms, turned them into dorms inside of our activity center in the church. We housed some of them there. We housed some of our girls in home openers. We housed some of our guys in home openers. And then we took the rest of our guys and we knew some people that had a, a lake house a little cabin right on the lake, and their neighbor did as well. And they both allowed us to use those houses, so we put all the rest of our guys there. And when we would go to have Bible school and all that, it was very, very, very difficult to get all of our students to the same place at the same time. Some of them didn't have cars. Uh, some of them, it was a 30-minute drive to get from one place to the other. And it, it was just so difficult. And every day on my way to work, I would drive by this piece of property. Had a for sale sign on it. And, and had a for sale sign. And then on the marquee it said, rent me out for birthday parties and, and events, etc. And I'd drive by this property and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and point this property out. That, that this was a property that I needed. And so I would drive by this property, and I just begin to dream and imagine, right? I begin to dream and imagine. And so I drive by this property, and I thought, man, this would make a great campus for our Bible school, for our master's commission. I could see us having a campus right here. This would be awesome. One day I drove by, and the gates were open. They usually had gates out front, and the gates were open. There were no cars there. So I pulled up in front of this place, and I just looked around. And I was like, man. And I just begin to dream. Can you imagine what it would be like to have this place? So I go into work one day and I tell my pastor, hey, I think God's trying to talk to me. 
there's a place that I found that, man, I think it would be incredible for Master's Commission. We, w- we would have room to put some houses on it, and we could house everybody in one location. At the time, we were trying to sell our current property and move. We were going to build. So we had no money, and we were looking from, we were broke, flat broke. And he said, well, pray about it. <laughs> oh, that's the churchy answer. <laughs> I hate that answer. Pray about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll just keep praying about it. And that happened for a while. Several weeks and months, I'd drive by this place. And I just knew that I was supposed to have this place. One day I drove by, and there was a guy sitting out there, and he was coming, he was going into the building. He was unlocking it. I just pulled up, and I said, hey, I just want to talk to you for a second. And I said, do you own the place? He said, yeah, yeah, I own the place. And I said, uh, so can I look at it? And he goes, yeah, yeah, come on in. I walk in and look at it and had a nice little entryway with tile and then big old room in the middle. And had these two overflow rooms. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we could do so much. It had three offices down this wall, and, and it had this kitchen and these little bathrooms. I was like, oh, man, God, I want this building. I want this building. And so I asked him, I said, would you ever consider leasing it, like, long-term, like letting us come in and kind of remodel, do some things to make it fit us and long-term lease? And he goes, yeah, maybe, but I really want to sell it. He said, I really need to get out of it. And I said, okay, well, how much are you going to sell it for? I'll buy it. He said, 450000 I said, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. It was no longer that important to me. Why? Because it was way bigger than me. And at the time, I didn't see it as a God dream anymore. I saw it as a fairy tale, far-fetched, <laughs> never going to happen, never going to happen, never going to happen, never going to happen, never going to happen. And so I get back, and, and uh, we were in a meeting, and I, somebody said something about the building. I said, actually, I went in it today. Oh, you did? Oh, that's awesome. Are you praying about it? Yeah. Well, what they say? Well, they want to sell it. They don't want to rent it. How much? 450000 Ah, okay. All right. Well, you better start praying. That was the answer I got. Okay, better start praying. All right. So I would drive by this property every day, and I would go, God, I know you're going to give me that property. I know. God, somehow, some way, you're going to provide the resources so I can get this property. I'm just believing it. And for some reason, $450,000 sounded doable. It was weird. And it was not doable. I worked with 30 broke college students. So one day, this is about two months later. I've been driving by this property every day. About two months later, I'm in a church service on Sunday morning. I'm sitting right where Kagan's sitting. And the, one of our pastors gets up to take up the offering. God had been really doing something great in that service that morning. And he says this, guys, we're going to get ready and receive our, our Sunday morning tithe and offering." But before we do that, let me tell you something. We need you guys. We need, God has put kings in our church, and we need kings in this church. Kings to support. Kings give the provision. Priests give the vision. And then the Bible, the two were the same. You never had 
a successful priest without a king. You never had a successful king without a priest. The priest would cast vision, and the kings were the provision. They made it happen. And he said, we need kings. We need you kings in this church. And he said, you know, we have a lot of vision. And he just casually, he said, you know, Pastor Jared, he found a, a piece of property he wants for master's commission he wants to buy. And it's a lot of money. And, and Pastor so-and-so wants this. And Pastor so-and-so wants this. And, and we all have this vision of what God's doing as, so that we can grow and reach the people for the gospel of Christ. And, that, and that's pretty much all he said. Eric, they took up the offering. We go on through service. At the end of service, uh, we had a special time of prayer for some people that just had some needs. So some people came up to the front, and they were praying. So I walked up to the front right here, and I was praying for this couple. So I had my hands on them, and I was praying for them, just asking God to meet their need, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, I felt this hand on my, my shoulder. That's not uncommon. You go down to the altar call, man, like three, four rows deep sometimes. We roll deep when we're praying for people. So I'm praying for this couple, and I feel this hand on my shoulder. We finish praying. I say thank you to this couple, and I turn around, and there's this big, tall guy. He was probably 6'3", 6'4". And I said, well, hello. And I knew who he was, but I just didn't know. At the time, I didn't really know anything about him too much. (laughs) And he said, how are you doing? He's a real quiet guy, doesn't talk a whole lot. And I said, I'm doing good. How are you? And he said, so tell me about this building you found. And I was like, well, and I told him where it was at and told him it was on the corner. It's about two and a half acres and has a building. And I, I just, you know, one day we could do this and this, I think, but it needs some work. And he said, how much do they want for it? And I said, 450000 And I knew that that was going to scare him away. And he goes, okay. And he said, um, what needs to be done on it? And I said, well, it needs a new roof. When I walked in, to the main room, the floor kind of gave away. It needs this. It needs a new septic system. It's terrible. And I said, "So, man, I think it needs a lot of work." And he said, "Offer them three hundred thousand dollars." And here's a check. I seriously just started sobbing. I had never seen a three hundred thousand dollar check before. I was like, "Wow, that's what all those numbers are." I didn't know how to spell 300,000. Same way as I would, (laughs) whatever. And and he gives me this check, and I was like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. This guy, (laughs) 300,000. I mean, when I give people 30 bucks, I'm like, you're welcome. Because that's a big deal to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's 30 bucks with a zero, dot zero zero, as I round it. But $300,000. So I go in the next day, and I'm like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? So I started negotiating and call this guy on the phone. I was like, hey, listen, I, I want to buy this property. I really want to buy this property. Uh, would you take uh, $300,000? And he says, oh, man, I can't do $300,000. I'll do three fifty. problem is I got 300 I don't have another 50 grand and I said well let me see what I could do hang up the phone call him next day I'll give you 300,000 I can't take 300,000 okay so I just kept praying about it one week later he calls me and he says I'll take 300,000 
And I said, you'll take 300000 He says, yeah, let's do a walkthrough. We go. We start walking through this building. And I took a couple guys with me. We start looking at everything that needs to be done. They start adding it up. And they're like, well, this is going to cost this much. This is going to cost this much. Man, it's going to cost us probably $50,000 to do everything that we need to do. A new roof, new septic system, new floors. I mean, do all this. We need to build the walls out, build the, the bathrooms out because they're little. And we need to make them like big public bathrooms for our school. The guy said, you know what? I'll sell it to you for 280. $280,000? You got a deal. We show up to closing about a month or so later, and this guy had to bring $30,000 to closing to get out of this deal. We buy this place. We fix it up. We, we ended up getting to move buildings on there. And what I'm telling you is that there was this moment that I saw this big God dream. And my resources were absolutely nothing. Nothing. And my resources compared to the dream was nothing. Except I just got this little bit of faith. I just got this feeling that God is doing something bigger than myself. We bought that building. Jay Knight lived in that building. God wants to do something bigger than us. Last Sunday night, we had a business meeting here at the church. And I presented some things, where we were at, what was going to happen. Because we needed something bigger than us. Let me finish before I do that. I want to to read this verse to you. He says, so go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out the oil you have into all these containers. And you shall set aside each one when it's full. Can you imagine what she was thinking at the moment? She's got this room full of empty containers. And he says, go pour out the oil. And as the containers get full, she's got to be in her mind going, wait. I'm kind of confused because I've got a bunch of empty containers. i just got a little bit of oil. What do you mean when they're full? I don't get what you're saying. But anyway, she's listening. And he says, and when it gets full, set it aside. So she left him. She shut the door behind her and the sons, and they were bringing her the containers, and as she poured the oil. Listen, this is the point of the miracle where there hadn't been a miracle yet. Okay? She just begins to take this little bit that she has, and she begins to pour the oil. She starts to pour the oil. And the Bible says in verse 6, when the containers were full, she said to her son, bring me another container. So all of a sudden, she starts getting excited because in the middle of the miracle, it's easy to get excited. So she starts, she's, she's pouring the oil, and this container gets full. She's blown away. Unbelievable. She says, grab it, grab it, move it, move it, bring me another one. They brought her another one. She keeps pouring. She's looking at her oil. This is an unbelievable magic trick. And she's pouring the oil. And she's like, it's almost full. Take it, take it, grab another one. And she's getting excited. She's like, get another one, get another one, get another one, get another one. This is incredible. And all of a sudden, it says, and he said to her, there's not one left. Then the oil stopped multiplying. See, the the miracle was the size of her expectation. See, what if she had got 10 more 
jars of oil in there. Do you hear me? Come on, what if she would expect it just, had she known what was going to happen, she would have had everybody in her little village lined up outside her house passing empty jars through the window, right? Right, had she known, but she didn't know. She was just told, grab some empty vessels, not just a few, so she did. And the miracle was based on her expect, the size of her expectation. I'm not saying that she was wrong by not getting enough jars because obviously she got enough because it says, then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay off your debt. That's a lot. And then he says, and you and your sons can live on the rest. You can live on the rest. Wow. Wow. So really it goes back to me and my expectations. As a church, we, we have a need. We have a great need, and there's a great opportunity for a miracle. And I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed. We presented this at our business meeting last week. The owner of this property, he's, he's recently lost his wife, and a lot of things has changed in his life. He pays $25,000 a year on this property in property taxes alone. And he told me, he said, Pastor Jared, I just can't do it anymore. I just want out. I need out of this. I got to get out. If y'all want to buy it, just make me an offer. And, and, and you can, when we, and I'll sell it to you. I'll give me the best offer you can, and I'll sell it to you. But if not, I need to put a for sale sign on it right now. I need to get this thing sold. We still have a lease, he said, but at the end of the lease, I'm hoping to have a deal and have it sold. I've got to get out of this. <sighs> Initially, he was asking a couple million dollars for it. That's not near what we would, we would offer. But we have an opportunity right now because he owes a little bit on this property. And if we could pay off what he owes with the bank, he said, you know, if I could get outside of the bank and then we could put it in your name and then it becomes tax exempt. Then I could work out, uh, we could get real creative with a lease to own so that I'll just finance it, you lease it for me. I just got to get out from the bank. Wow, okay. I said, well, what does it take to get you out of the bank? $300,000. If we were going to buy this property from a bank, our down payment would be $300,000. I was like that lady. I look at my resources, and I look at this big, crazy $300,000. I look back at my resources. I said, Chris, print our giving statements to me. Where's our money? And I look at that, and I go, <laughs> print it again. You printed it wrong. Okay? We need more money. You, you printed it wrong. There's not enough money on here. Print it one more time. And the Holy Spirit started speaking, there's a miracle in this house. So I started thinking of ways that I myself can begin to chip away at $300,000. Things I could sell, things that, phone calls that I could make that maybe drum up some support. People might want to support this. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I need to come up with with a seed offering, and I'm going to sow a seed. So here's what I'm challenging 
you this morning with me. On Easter Sunday, and I'm not sure what the date is, Easter Sunday. Um, it's, I think it's like eight weeks away, somewhere in there. On Easter Sunday morning, I want, I want to receive a seed offering, a beyond belief offering to go to be the seed that launches us into how in the world we're going to get to this God-sized dream. Let me tell you something. The mistake that we can't make is go, well, God, God is going to provide. And then sometimes God gives us a shovel and we go, nah, God, we, you're, you're going to provide. And God brings us a backhoe to move this mountain. And we're like, no, nah, we don't need the backhoe. God, you're going to provide. And he says, I did. I provided you a shovel and a backhoe. Sometimes you got to do some work. So we're not going to be a lazy church that just goes, well, we just, we got one year. We're going to hope that God just shows up and drops. One day we pull up to the church. There's going to be two Samsonite suitcases full of $300,000. And we got to work. We got to work. So I started thinking, Easter Sunday Easter Sunday is going to be powerful because we're going to celebrate this day where God, the creator of heaven and earth, gave us, he sowed his very best seed into this earth. Come on, somebody. He, he gave us his firstborn. He gave us the spotless lamb. And the harvest that has come out of the seed that he sowed has given every single one of us life. Life. Full life. Everlasting life. I don't fear death. I don't fear hell. I don't fear the grave. Everlasting life. Because my God sowed his best seed. So it got us to thinking that on Easter Sunday, we're going to receive an offering. And, and, and I pray that you don't just save up your offering till then because we still need the normal offerings to come in so that we can make it. But I'm asking, I'm challenging everyone that from now till Easter, will you start to set something aside specifically? And I'm going to ask that Sunday that we each give a beyond belief offering. What is a beyond belief offering? For you, it could be $100. I don't know what you give. I don't know what your normal giving is. I know there are some people in this church that, that have given a lot of money uh, over the years and months. I know there's some people in this church that have sacrificed greatly. I don't know what a beyond belief offering is to you. Maybe it's $100. Maybe it's Maybe it's a $1,000, a one-time gift of $1,000. Maybe you've never given an offering that big before. Maybe it's $5,000. When I say that number, some of you go, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Is God a big God or not? Do we believe or not? And, and when we talk money, it's, it's always difficult for me to talk money. But in this moment, it's really not that difficult because this church has already begun to change my life. There's already an investment made in my life. And, and the least that I can do is sow back into the kingdom. To sow back. And so for, for this one offering, I'm going to ask every one of us to go beyond belief in this one offering. I was thinking this week about things that we could sell, things that I could sell, my things that I could sell to put money to go towards my, my seed offering. And as we sow this offering, I'm believing that it's going to be the initial seed that's going to begin to 
just avalanche this great need that we have because we have a great need, a great need. When I even say it out loud, I shudder. It's like Mufasa. Ooh, don't say that name. Mufasa, Mufasa, 300,000, 300,000. Ooh. But you know what? I believe. I believe. I've thought about calling friends and family members and saying, hey, we're doing a one-time offer. Would you sow into this offering? Would you sow into this offering? I, I've thought about what I can do in my business to, to start moving money to the side specifically to sow in this offering. So I'm going to ask some of the guys to help me out this morning, and I'm going to ask them to pass out a card to you. And I want you and your spouse to talk about it for a second. Listen. Actually, hang on just a second. I want everybody to listen to me. Hear this, okay? Everybody hear this. When I start pulling out cards, people freak out, okay? This is not a faith promise card. I don't need, it doesn't have a spot for name, email, add nothing. I don't know anything about, you can put $1 million and I don't know who you are. Don't do that though. Because that will cause a lot of sleepless nights for me. But this is not a faith promise card, nothing like that. This is a say, this is a card that says, you know what, I want to give a beyond belief offering. And I'm going to set a goal that I'm going to start trying to raise and set aside. If you'll write that goal on the top and on the bottom, here in just a moment, we're going to come to the front. And I want you to tear it in half. Just drop, drop your goals all across this offering. Because I'm going to believe that on that day, on Easter Sunday, that we're going to sow the greatest seed that we've ever sowed. Because we have the greatest need that we've ever had. But with great need comes great opportunity for a miracle. Listen, I don't know exactly what God's going to do this year, but I know it's going to be great. I know it's going to be great. And I'm believing with all my heart that by the end of this year, some of you are going to go, holy cow. I never thought God was going to pull this off. Why? Because it's way bigger than us. There, in fact, our total giving, Chris, last year our total giving was $251,000. That's paying our bills. That's paying this church. And now we're going to come up with an extra three hundred. dollars Yeah, okay. That's called a God dream. That ain't my dream. Because it's not going to happen with me. So will you do that? Will you help me? So we're going to pass out these cards. I want you to just lean over to your wife. You know, I, I don't need you to like meditate and think on this. I just want us to set a goal. Set a goal. And then as, we, as you get that, as you write it down, I want you to just stand to your feet. Once you get it written down. Here you go, babe. I've thought about Easter Sunday and how great Easter Sundays are anyway. You just can't screw up an Easter Sunday because it's all about Him. And I thought, I started thinking, but man, wouldn't it be incredible if on that this Easter Sunday, as a church, we sow the best seed that we've ever had. Come on, as, as you write it down, will you just stand to your feet? Holy Spirit, God, I, I pray right now. God, I, I, 
honest, honestly, man, I am scared to death. If, I, if I'm totally transparent, God, I just, in my flesh, I just don't know what the next step is. I don't know how. But I do know this, God, that if I'm faithful, if I can just do my very best, if I can sow my very best, God, Lord, if I place it in your hands and I, I just trust, and then, God, if I pray for creativity, if I pray for for uh guidance, God, if I pray for just ideas and moments, God, of, of things that I could do to help me chip away, it may only be a thousand, and a thousand dollars may not seem like a lot to, to a $300,000 need for a miracle. God, but as we chip away, I know that you're going to step in, and you're going to take what we we sow as natural, and you're going to put your super on it, God, and that supernatural is going to begin to manifest, and we're going to see something incredible happen inside of this house, because the miracle's in this house. God, we don't have to go out and beg and plead and we don't have to go out and ask and, and try to dream and, and pray in a millionaire. God, the miracles inside this house. God, somehow, some way, you are bigger than us. God, and we put this big dream before you. God, but right now I pray for creativity in our minds. God, creativity of, of how, how we can begin to take this journey on how we can begin to to chip away at this mountain that seems so insurmountable but i believe the miracles in this house and i believe in you god come on if you have it will you just come to the front you can just drop it all across this front altar and then you can just go right back to your seat and we're just going to believe god this is just a goal this is not a guarantee. You're, I don't need your signature. I don't need you to sign away uh, your firstborn. This is just a goal. This is just a goal. This is what I would like to sow into this special offering on Easter Sunday. it's not about that and whatever you want to give it doesn't change my relationship towards you it doesn't change how I feel about you nothing okay so it's not about that the other half is for you to just have as a goal just for you to have so you can put it in your your Bible as a bookmark as a reminder put it on your refrigerator just as kind of a reminder that you've got it you set a goal and and none of this changes all I'm, I'm doing is I'm challenging you to join me and we're going to sow something great on Easter Sunday. Amen? Come on, one more time. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you, God. We receive it right now. And I pray for the, the, the resources to just begin to flow our way, God, as we seek and we trust you. And we just give you all the praise. And if you believe that, come on, give God a big shout of praise this morning.